Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. It's Charlene Anderson, your wholesale sourcing expert, here on April 25th, 2018. Um, we're on a live remote from sunny Southern California. I'm in California visiting my mom, and she agreed to come on the podcast again. I think it was Frank Frost's um, suggestion that she come back on, so she agreed to do it. So I'm going to introduce you all to my mom, Joan Flickinger, who is like my business idol. So, hey, Mom. Hi. Um, can you tell everybody what kind of businesses you ran and how you got started in them? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, actually, I was in the aircraft industry selling hardware, and uh, we had our own company after a while. And then I was with Hereford Cattle, a show cattle at uh, – after we purchased the ranch, and then into thoroughbred horses. So and what did you do in in the aerospace business? Because I think you and Dad started the business, right? Yes, we did. Um, actually, I worked for a large company, uh, and we sold only large quantities of items. So when we went into business, we actually specialized in aircraft hardware, anything that held them together. And uh, and by the way, your dad wouldn't fly. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> always made me feel strange to get on a plane and have him standing <laughs> at the bottom of the uh, ramp saying goodbye. <laughs> yeah, when he made all the nuts and bolts that held it together. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, then we started uh, the business and with $113, and we actually would buy large quantities and uh, sell small quantities, which we found was quite lucrative. And it went from there, and it got larger and larger, and then we sold it to Canar um, Corporation and moved to the ranch because of the children, because of Charlene and Charles. Uh, that's about how we got started. I can remember as a kid going to the warehouse, and, and I, the, the warehouse I remember most was across the street from L.A. International Airport. There's now a Carl's Jr. Um, where the warehouse was. But you guys must have had like tens of thousands of different stock SKUs of products, didn't you? Uh, yes, we did. Um, of course, when we first started, we took an old barber shop and uh, put in a couple of desks, and it was not very large. Then we moved to um, West Jefferson in uh, 
Los Angeles uh, to a larger building. And then the company that I had worked for was Cooper Precision Products. And um, so Mr. Cooper had sold his business to Standard Press Steel and this beautiful big building was uh, for sale. And we were fortunate enough to purchase that. I wish I still had it, but that's the way life goes. <laughs> yeah, so what did you do in the business? Actually, I was what you would call the national sales manager. But that meant, you know, you also sweep the floors and you <laughs> arrange the desks and you um, do just, when you own a business, you have to know how to do everything. And if you don't, you're in real trouble. So because you have to, you have to basically, since it's your business, you are responsible for everything, whether you have correct. somebody else do it or not. Yeah. And as you have to hire more employees, well, you're responsible for them, actually. Uh, so you have to keep the business going and growing because you are responsible to these employees that have confidence in you uh, to quit another job and come to work for you. So yeah, I think that's the whole the point key. Of... Go ahead. Excuse me. The whole key uh, to growing is actually, or it was in those days. I'm not saying now, but in those days, it was very, very important that you do hire and grow because you can't, as your dad would say, you can't do business out of an empty basket. And that's really true. So as you get more business, you have to hire more employees and you really become oh, mother, father, grandmother, grandfather to them and their families and their children. And, and uh, then they work well for you. So how many employees did you, and Ed wants to know, how many employees did you have? Um, actually, we had, um, let's see, when we sold the business, we had two, four, six, eight, about uh, 15. And were most of those um, warehouse workers or were they spread over like the administration and the warehouse and all that? Actually, uh, most of them were salesman and um, so the warehouse was really um, I thought and think that it was really easy to work in our warehouse it took fewer employees because that was one of the things I wanted I didn't want to get overemployed and then have to let someone go uh, so you try to keep a even keel and then, you know, sometimes you get stuck with employees that, particularly if they're relatives, that you just can't <laughs> get rid of. <laughs> and so, um, but it was fun. I loved it. So um, I know as a kid, because um, I think I was like 12, about 12 when you sold the aircraft to business. I remember as a kid thinking you guys had like the coolest stuff. And I, maybe that's why I'm obsessed with stuff now. Like, we're talking pre-computer days. You know, there, you know, there were the big, you know, room-sized computers, but the average business didn't have a computer. And I know you had this big thing. It was like a Ferris wheel 
that had metal buckets in it that had index cards, and you had your inventory on that. That's right. Um, actually, it was called a Rolodex, but it was so a it huge is. Rolodex, not the one that sits on your desk. No, it was like it was... six feet across and like five feet tall. Right, right. And you, you had a hard buttons. time reaching it. Yeah, and you push these buttons and it spun around and you'd find the bin that had the card in it for the nut or bolt you sold and then you'd mark off the inventory on there as you sold it. I just thought that okay. was the most amazing thing. And then I have to say, so that was ahead of the time because I don't think very many places were keeping that tight of inventory control. No, and that was one of the problems that other businesses had. They didn't know what they had in their warehouse. It's very, very important in business to make sure that you, well, even in households, you need to know uh, what your inventory is. You know, you need to know how many loaves of bread you've got in the pantry or the freezer and and uh, then down to, well, okay, I've got four boxes of staples on, you know. So you have to keep track of everything. And I also remember the other thing that fascinated me is as kids, we got to do picking some orders. You know, we'd get the paper with the order on it and we could go through the warehouse. You had electric carts that you stood on and push forward and back with your feet to make them go. And you'd go down the aisles of the warehouse and you'd find the nuts or bolts and you'd put the box in there and you'd go back. And then you'd use a giant magnet to pull out enough because they were sold. You knew how much each bolt weighed, so you knew what 2,000 should weigh or something. But the most fascinating thing for me was the tape machine. They had this tape machine that you knew what size of box you had, and you'd punch in the box you're using, and it spit out the tape all wet and exactly to fit the box. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, you still do a good job packing. <laughs> Maybe that's why I learned it. But, but here's the thing. You could probably have less people in the warehouse because you had efficiency tools and supplies and equipment, right? We did try to be on the cutting edge of, um, you know, from everything from boxes to uh, tape and, you know, office supplies. And, and, and like I said, you have to keep inventory. You know, how can you sell if you don't know what you have? And, and also, I think, go ahead, start. And also with the nuts and bolts and screws and rivets and all of this, uh, cotter pins, you had to know where they would go on an airplane. So if you were talking to Douglas that uh, was doing a DC-3, you had to know what parts would go on that airplane and basically where they would go. You're and I think that's... That's really important because a lot of people in this Amazon, eBay, online business sell commodity items that they know nothing about. I don't think you can grow a business well if you don't have, one, an interest in your products and know about your products. No, I taught you well, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, actually, Mary Jo um, said, I feel that is also how Charlene takes care of us like family. She learned well from you like you're talking about your employees. Because, you know, I do have a vested interest in everybody in my group. I want them to succeed because they are. They've trusted me to help them build a business, so I've got to make sure they succeed at it. Of course. 
because you basically like who you're dealing with. I do. You know, I that's love the, the whole people in my group. You know, that's because, you know, in large aircraft companies and so forth, you always have someone that you deal with in the purchasing department that you really like and you would go out on the limb for them. And um, then there are some that you really don't care. <laughs> so you don't really so, cultivate those. You or you don't like go the customers. extra mile, right, to help them. That's right. That's right. Ellie is uh, listening in. Um, Ellie has been a great proponent. Um, I think she learned from you too, even though you've never met, of relationship building in business. Um, she, Ellie says her success is all due to building relationships with her suppliers. Would you agree with that kind of thing? Definitely. Both buyers and your um, purchasers. Um, you know, your dad uh, always had a, a thing when he would call into a company and the secretary would answer and so forth, he'd want to speak to someone and she'd say, who's calling, which always irritated him. And he would always come up with Donald Douglas or Howard Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, they didn't know if he was kidding or if it really was Howard Hughes or Donald Douglas, you know. So they remembered him. So if you can do something that makes people remember you, you know, he always took in a roll of lifesavers when he called on a customer. Well, you know, that gal remembered those lifesavers and she remembered who gave them to her. So right, he and never if she had a off. choice between two people to get a job, who'd get it, right? The person who brought her <laughs> lifesavers. <laughs> That's right. Or you were Donald Douglas. Yeah, <laughs> or um, for those who don't know, Donald Douglas is the Douglas in McDonald Douglas airplanes, and everybody knows who Howard Hughes is. But that's the the kind of business my folks were in um, with all of those people at that era when it was. It's kind of like we are now in Amazon with you in the aircraft business because you know um, jets were just being mass marketed for people for pleasure travel, and the space race was going on. So um, I know my mom and dad had nuts and bolts on the eagle that landed on the moon and all of that because those companies needed nuts and bolts to hold the stuff together. And don't forget our automobiles. That's right. You know. They sold nuts and bolts for Le Mans race cars because they're mm-hmm. extremely high quality, extremely strong products. So, um, so the whole relationship we were the first thing. One, we, excuse me. We were the first ones to make titanium uh bolts for the race cars which you know is really something to do uh cutting edge had, yeah yeah we had a general manager that came to work for us and he was actually a professor at Brigham Young University in chemical engineering but your dad got to know him and uh he worked for us and he was a fabulous employee was that Jim Blair Jim Blair. Yeah, I remember him. He always bought yeah. good Christmas presents for his kids. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so so this whole employee thing, you know, I don't have any employees because to me that's the worst part of the business is hiring and firing people. Um, so um, 
so John Wayne, John Wayne's our member from the UK, which I love that his name's John Wayne and he lives in the UK. Oh, but, by the way, um, I met I met John Wayne one time. So. Oh, the other John Wayne. Yes. Uh huh. Well, John is asking, how do you handle delegating jobs in your business? How did you know who to pick to do jobs or who to hire? Um, actually, that was an easy part. Uh, not necessarily hiring, but getting the right people uh, to, and it's just by conversation and getting to know them. You know, at those days, you didn't just have someone, <clears throat> excuse me, come in and you hired them right then. You got to know the person before you hired them. And actually, a lot of it uh, was pirating <laughs> from other companies. <laughs> Excuse me, but it's true. You know, if I knew, uh, if I talked to someone and I really enjoyed them and so forth, and they were then they were looking for a job. That's how your dad got me, because um, I worked for the larger company. Um, so you just have to get to know your employees. You, today, you, they're on a computer. You never see them. You don't know them, uh, and. So I, I would probably find it very difficult this way. I find it hard. It's not yeah. something I'm very comfortable with um, because right. it is, you can't get tone on a computer. You don't know body language. You can't see any of that when you're trying to hire someone that way. You know? And I think right. that's a hard part of our business. You know? Well, and I really think they could take a step or two backwards and uh, – find out about the people, uh, you know, some of them, they don't even know if they have children or if they're married or, you know, what they're, and it's important that you try to get your pool of employees that have the same goals in life. So, I mean, you don't want to hire someone that's, um, what, I don't want to get political here, but you don't want to hire someone in a Republican group that is a real staunch Democrat. You know, not right, that there's anything they, wrong with staunch Democrats, but they just would not fit in with your business and your, you know, your pool of workers. Right, and you all have to have the kind of like the same. Um, I don't want to say ethical because that's not kind of thing, but the same way of running a business. I think that's important that you all have to have the same kind of levels of what's good customer service and what's not, you know. I think um, the biggest thing with employees is flexibility. Are your employees flexible that they can drop one job and start working on another one uh, without any argument or any hard, you know, feelings or anything? Uh, but you have to have them do that sometimes. You know, we would have someone in the um, um, back that didn't show up in the shipping department. Well, you know, we might have to ask one of the salesmen to go back and and do the shipping for the day. And you want people that are flexible and will do those kind of things. Because they realize in the end it's for the good of the company, which means it's good for them. That's right. So so John Wayne also has one other question, and we'll lead into a little bit about the cattle business. He wants to know if Herefords are still the best. 
Of course. <laughs> now, I, I'm not going to say Pold Herefords because I don't know whether he has horned or pulled. He had horned Herefords. For, for anybody who doesn't know, John Wayne, one of our UK members, showed Hereford or Hereford, as they say in England, cattle um, in the 70s. Um, and showing cattle is not like the most uh, popular kind of, of pastime or sport or, or business, you know. So the fact that we have two people in this little um, Amazon selling group who were involved in showing Hereford cattle, I think is that's a pretty crazy coincidence. So um, John, is there's pictures um, in the group of me as a little kid with one of my mom's heifers and John showing, I think he has a, a horned Hereford bull that he was showing. It was interesting to see the change in body shape in the 10 or 15 years between the two also. But um, anyway, I have another question um, from Kay in the group. Um, Kay wants to know, is it all in your business? Have you ever come to a point where things were going downhill? And if they were, what did you do to pick yourself up and get going? Well, I didn't find that it was the business going downhill, but there were times when I felt like I was going downhill because I had you two children and, you know, a home to manage and cocktail parties to plan and nuts and bolts to sell. And so sometimes you felt like it just really went over your head. And I think the best thing to do is go have your hair done or go get a massage. Okay. That's, so that, that, that's, that's meditation. We have a lot of members in the group who are in that situation, raising kids, you know, trying to build a business and all that. And I can't imagine the stress involved. Well, you can make it more stressful. Um, but if you can include your children in your business, then you will be far ahead and you won't stress out as fast. Because you want your children at the dinner table. I'm a great one, as you know, Charlene. Everyone has to be at the dinner table, and then we talk, and and um, it's almost like blue bloods. If you ever watched that show, yeah, yeah. They all get around the table and they talk about what happened for their day or week or whatever, and everyone is always involved. And I've always believed in that. And I even got your friends involved, if you remember. Yep. So, My mom's you know. house, this was later when we had the thoroughbred horses on the ranch, and I was in high school. Mom was always the house where everybody ended up conveniently at like 6.30 at night at dinner time. Oh, just stopping by, Mrs. A. What do you got, <laughs> you know? Um, so, you know, it would be like, you know, 50 pork chops on a plate to feed everybody who showed up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Excuse me. And but I remember the- as a kid having, we sat down for dinner like probably 99 out of 100 nights as a family. We really did. Yes. And uh, I think it paid off. And I think I loved being involved with the business. I'm sure there are some parents who think, oh, my kid's going to hate it and all that. I thought it was so much fun to ride around on those carts and get boxes and, you know, make the Rolodex go around and mark off inventory and all that kind of stuff and I think it does give kids an appreciation for what it takes to do something you know of course it helped that you could bring your skates and skate down the warehouse we did that's right roller skates through the warehouse this warehouse is like how many square feet like hundred thousand square feet or something uh thirty eight thousand yeah so and it was like big metal shelves 
with boxes on it with all the nuts and bolts. So you can imagine how many aisles there were and everything that we would. Yeah, I forgot the roller skate thing. That's funny. Yes, and Charles has a scooter. <laughs> so uh, Michelle in the group is saying that her mom was a stickler for eating dinner together too. I think it's really important. Put down the phones. You know, don't bring them to the table and just sit there and talk. Right. And when you go out to dinner, you don't take your phone with you. You don't. Nope. Of course, we didn't have that privilege. Uh, and we're not going to say how many years, are we? No, I'm not counting. Are we? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. I'm not counting. But, yeah, I mean, it is important time because what are you working in the business for if not to do stuff with your family? And I think it's even more important today because it's really, it's a scary time as far as I'm concerned for children simply because you cannot let the kids go outside and play in the front yard and and this type of thing. Uh, That's why they're glued to their telephones and to their iPads and I think because it's such a scary time to be a parent. Well, it, it, that's, it's a shame because, you know, I feel very fortunate to have had to be able to grow up at a time when I did where it was like on the ranch, you went outside and you played till it got dark and then you came in, you know, that kind of thing that kids can't do very much, which no. is, is a shame. So, um, so I have another question and um, that is also from Kay, who always has the best questions in the group. If you had to give a budding entrepreneur one piece of advice, what would it be? Stay focused. You have to be focused on your business. And whether it's with your product, whether it's with your uh, suppliers or your purchasers or whatever, you have to stay focused. And if you stay focused, then you will see new items coming up and you'll think, oh, yeah, I could sell that. You know, so many people just put their head into one thing. You have to stay open. And, you know, if you can sell, uh, what, knitting needles and pinto beans, hey, by all means, sell both. Yeah, so you have to you have to be open to opportunities that might present themselves. Definitely. And, and I, mean, I think go ahead. I mean, if you go out to dinner at night and you see someone across from you uh maybe has a certain thing on that you admire, um maybe you should get on your computer and find out where that is. If you admired it, other people may admire it. So you have to be open at all times. If you're walking down the to get on an airplane and you see a piece of luggage you like, but there's only one of that kind that you've seen, maybe you should try and find out where it came from and maybe you could start selling it. Yeah, you must so, have told me this somewhere along the line because this is what I preach to the group, but I don't remember <laughs> you ever saying it like that, but that's kind of what I do. I'm like, always have this radar on for products. Yes. Because you never know. You never know. That's right. And sometimes you will think something is kind of, uh, well, that's too cheap for me to sell. 
Well, it might be per item, but if you can sell 10 or 20 or 30 of them, um, that's great. And Ellie just posted, listening to your mom talking about being open to different products is what you and I talk about all the time. Because Ellie and I do talk about that because Ellie is in a great situation in that she lives um, close to New York City where she can go to lots of trade shows. And she's gone to shows not expecting to end up selling the kind of products she's selling, but she was open to seeing it and thinking about possibilities with it. That's right. We used to go to trade schools with um, the uh, fishing rod business, Harnell Corporation. And uh, it was really interesting to just walk through the trade areas and just see what people had, although I certainly was not, you know, involved in the um, uh, Harnell Rod Company that much. I just went along for the ride. But it was interesting to find out what, you know, what is good and what isn't. Yeah, what trends are coming up in fishing, That's say, because right. you're at an outdoor show. What are the trends coming? You know, what what are people, are they moving away from fly fishing? And is, is it in um, freshwater like bass fishing is more popular now? I'm just using those, I have no clue, but kind of the things that you need to know. Or deep sea, you know. Right, yeah. So, you know, anytime you, you would go, uh, your dad loved to fish, deep sea fishing in particular, but all fishing. I think most men do like fishing. The reason they don't get to do it is because their wives don't like it. Hey, buck up and start learning, and maybe you'll start liking it too. But, you know, to look around the boat and see, oh, there's one, only one Harnell rod. Well, Dad would bring out his Harnell rod, and the first thing you know, the guys are saying, oh, I like that rod. And it was the first, um, uh, what? Um, graphite, wasn't it? Carbon fiber, graphite yes, rod. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was the first one. And, you know, people were fishing with the other bamboo and so forth. And, you know, your dad could sell 20 rods on that boat. And and very expensive rods. So it's always, you always keep your eye open and keep your mind open. That's the biggest thing. And there's also this thing that that Amazon sellers tend to do, and I think it comes from fear, is they follow the crowd a lot. Fortunately, the people who are listening now in, in, in my group are not that way, but I see it a lot in other groups, that it's it's constantly following the crowd. So they're always a step behind because they haven't gotten ahead of the crowd. So they're selling like the latest hot toy right now instead of finding the toy that's going to be hot in six months. Right. You know, and and toys are another item that come and go quickly. You know, oh, we, yeah. can all, we, yeah. we can all remember, you know, the catty chatties and the, which was so hot you couldn't even buy one at Christmas time. And then, you know, the uh, uh, potato heads and all these things. And I just really never, as you know, bought that many toys. Uh, I bought books and games and and uh, physical. I never will forget you and your bouncy ball. Oh, my God, that was the best toy ever. 
big rubber ball with a handle that you sat on and bounced around. I loved that toy. And we used to go down the diving board into the pool with it, you know, bounce down the diving board. And you know they're back now? Yep. so, So, you know, the part of what I really try to teach the group is you have to get out there and go to trade shows and talk to manufacturers and find out where is this market going. Like you found out when you started your business, the aircraft business, that like the space race was going on. So if you didn't get involved with those things, you were going to be left behind. That's right. So we That's- need to be um, we need to be the ones who are a step ahead of everybody else. I don't want to yeah. be the follower who, okay, now everybody's selling Mr. Potato Head dolls. Maybe I should sell them too. No, you need to find the one that's going to replace Mr. Potato Head. Right. And uh, most of all, your business has to be fun. You have to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy 100% of it, but if you can enjoy 80% of your business, you're going to be successful because you're going to focus and you're going to find new items. You're going to meet new people. Uh, sometimes you'll have an idea, and if you toss it around among, you know, five people, you might find, oh, geez, that wasn't such a good idea after all. But don't let anyone talk you out of forging ahead. Yeah, because if you don't, you know, there's certain risks involved in any business, no matter what your business is. So you have to calculate, what can I afford to lose by taking this risk? And the risk may be trying a new product that is like brand new to market that nobody knows anything out. What can I afford to lose to, and whether it's money or time or both, what can I afford to lose to move ahead with this? And above all, be open to um, getting rid of an item. Oh, my God, you are, like, <laughs> preaching that now because that's, like, what we're all doing right now. Is that funny? Yes, because you have to purge your items. If something isn't selling, don't waste your time on it. Get rid of it. Do Go on to something else. That's, that's so funny because Amazon is changing their, their storage fee structure. So uh-huh. all of us are in this pressure to not have anything in there that is not selling regularly. Um, and this has been like the last 10 days, and I, I, I just typed to the group in chat that we didn't plan this. We did not talk about that at all, but isn't that funny that business is still the same that way? You can't hold on to dead inventory. That's right. You have to get rid of it. I don't know, you know, how many are from California or so forth, but, you know, it's like automobiles um, in California. They have to pay a flooring tax, and if they've got one that doesn't sell, they need to get rid of it because they're going to pay more in tax than they're ever going to realize as a profit. That's exactly what Amazon storage fees are like now. If we don't have stuff that's moving, we are going to be paying more than we would ever make on it. So everybody in the group I know is is working real hard from about the 15th of the month it this started, getting stuff out of there that's not selling. And it's kind of hard to admit you screwed up and bought something that isn't selling, you know? Right, right. But I find it kind of like admitting I was stupid, you know? <laughs> no, no, that isn't true at all. You have to look at it as, well, I tried. It didn't work, but I'm going on to something else. Don't beat yourself to death over an item that didn't sell. 
That's great and advice. Because if you do, then you're going to wait, be wasting your time and you won't be looking for new products. So, you know, sometimes uh, you just have to say, okay, uh, I'm going to get rid of it. And uh, I know it's always hard to do, but no one is perfect and no one has the perfect eye or mind to purchase things that everyone's going to love. So, I yeah, think... and I found it hard for me to buy things like, let's say, yarn in colors I don't like. And I have really got to get out of my own way. And, like, I don't like pink, but pink sells like crazy. So I have That's to, like, right. say, yeah, just because I don't like pink doesn't mean I shouldn't carry it because lots of people love pink. Well, you can, in your own mind, you can change the name of that pink. You can change it to say, <laughs> oh, this is, uh, what, maroon, or this is, you know, different. Uh, just change your attitude toward it. Yeah, so um, I have several boxes in the garage of inventory that I don't think I will ever sell um, that needs to go to um, the thrift store just to get it out of my way, you know? Right, right, and put in something that will sell or you hope will sell, you know, or maybe you want to increase an item that you already have that is selling. So get that out of your way and go on. Your dad would say, move on. Yeah, yeah, and and quit beating yourself up for it, I guess, you know. Cause That's right. Even, even buyers who are paid, you know, well into six figures at Walmart and all the, the brick-and-mortar stores make mistakes or nothing would go on sale. That's right. And you, you're, <clears throat> excuse me, your type of business is going to be here after your brick-and-mortar stores are gone. They're Do you really think so that, that we will all be moving towards buying online? Oh, yes, definitely. Because they're closing here every day. And you're not going to have much choice. So you're in the cutting edge of a great business. I and think it allows be- us to reach customers we could never reach. I mean, living in Jackson, Wyoming... You know, how many craft things could I sell in a town of 9,200 people? Not many, you know. I, I couldn't live on what I could sell um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a town like that. So it does open up, you know, businesses in small niches um, in rural places to the whole world. Right. And if you tried doing that kind of business in a brick and mortar in Jackson, Wyoming, you would never get to Bora Bora. Nope, that's right. Isn't that the truth? Yep. <laughs> I wouldn't even get to Boise, Idaho, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are huge opportunities, and we are ahead of the curve, I think. You know, it seems like because we belong to Facebook groups that are focused on this business, we think everybody knows about it and knows how it works, and everybody's going to be doing it. Well, in our little world, yeah, um, people know about it, but I think. I think first general public, the average person doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. So you can take out those people who want to work for someone else and that's it. And then there's a technology level involved in running this business. 
that changes every two minutes as technology changes. So the people who are not interested in keeping up with technology are not going to be in the business. So yes, it's an opportunity open to everybody, but I don't think that many people are going to last long-term. And my goal is to last long-term. Well, in another thing you have to remember that your group and you are ahead of that group that's going to think about getting into it a year from now. Think that's where right. you are, you know, and the knowledge and so forth that you have uh, about your business and uh, about your group uh, that other people are going to be, you know, it's like driving a a buggy. <laughs> They're going to be so far behind your, you. So that's what you have to remember, too. And here's the other thing I found. Because we're in it now, our suppliers, say my knitting needle supplier and all that, are only going to want so many people selling their products. So I'm here early. I have my foot in the door. The door may close. And I've had that happen where, where one of my suppliers has said flat out to me that we are not accepting any more sellers on Amazon. We have four that keep all of our products in stock. We enjoy working with them, which is don't need anymore. Having more people sell our product doesn't mean we'll sell more from their point of view. And they're right. You know, just because there's more people selling, it doesn't mean they're going to sell more. So um, true. So, you know, if we can get in by going to trade shows and making networking connections and, you know, the personal connections with people, we'll be ahead of the people who are even starting tomorrow, let alone next year, you know? Right, right. So Mary Mary Jo is asking, how long did you give yourself to get your business up and running and profitable? One year, three years, or more? Never thought about it. I just, you know... We knew it was going to be a success because we had the knowledge and we had the parts. I never thought about how long it was going to take. Uh, You know, I think that that would be the last thing on my mind. I just go in with the fact that it's going to be successful. There's no question in my mind about it. I know what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing. So. It's going to go great guns. <laughs> never I have to thought. say, I, I, when I went in and started the online selling business, I never thought of a time frame either. It was no. just, and I plowed back every penny for several years. I never took anything out. For several years, I kept putting it back and putting it back and putting it back because it was profitable because I was able to have more inventory every time I turned around where I could order one of six different items then I could order two of 12 different items, you know, and just keep building that way. Um, right. And then I found it hit a point where where um, um, it did, you realize, okay, yeah, this is like a real business, you know? Right. I think that trying to set a timeline on success is something that's very difficult to try to do. Um, just never gave it a thought. Mary Jo is saying relatives of hers are discouraging her from continuing because her business is less than a year old and hasn't made any profits yet. I say don't listen to your relatives on this one. Don't ever listen to relatives on anything. 
is really you probably wouldn't even have married the person you you know married if you'd listened to relatives because half of them are jealous to begin with if they're relatives well friends too you know when you start being successful you find out you have fewer friends I, that's yeah just a fact. you find out who the real ones are you know that's right that's right and yep. you'll be surprised where you find them but oh Mary Jo don't listen to your relatives I yeah mean, and just, Mary Jo says she's making profits but not huge amounts I think I say continue what you're doing Mary Jo if you enjoy it and you're even breaking even at this point then just keep going yep totally agree and John Wayne says your last answer the one about you know you knew it would be successful and you just kept plowing forward and moving forward he said it should be available as an audio track for us to play on the bad days when we need uplifting <laughs> isn't that nice <laughs> that's very nice but yeah you, but yeah that's like a, okay a good example was uh i never dreamed i wanted knew i wanted to show cattle but I never dreamed that I would have come up with a grand champion female at the American Royal in Kansas City. It's like um, had, dogs. If I had tried to set that as the goal, I probably would have been very disappointed because I must have gone through, you know, 20, 30 head of cattle before I got that one precious little girl. So... And I would have missed a great, a great career from that standpoint. Oh, yeah. And you, but you, I'm, I mean, I'm guessing you knew you had quality cattle, and you knew you had a herdsman who took um, great care of them and all of that. And you knew if you're doing the best with them, then you do what you can. That's right. And you try, you know, to breed for a champion, um, but. Uh, Maybe you'll breed, you know, five or six before you come. And, of course, getting, it's like winning the Kentucky Derby, you know, how, in horses. It's almost like you just fall into it. It's not something you can plan. It's not, and that's true in any business. You can plan, you can do everything, but some people never have the champions. And that's sad. Because they end up hating the business because it didn't turn out exactly like they thought it would. You mm-hmm. know, people get discouraged with uh, children because maybe they want them to be a doctor and they end up being, uh, hey, the best plumber with a huge following and their parents are still kind of disappointed because they wanted a doctor. The plumber probably makes more money. <laughs> oh, you bet. With less <laughs> the and with, with less, less rubbery. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot to mention we have another group member who is involved in the Hereford cattle business, and you knew her father. That's Lucinda Hubman Smith. You knew Dick Hubman, who was a yes. horseman for one of the farms that you showed against. That is right. just the craziest coincidence. So. Um, I think it was Foley Farms, wasn't it? That's right. That's what she said. It was Foley Farms, and her dad was the herdsman there. Um, Yes. So that is a crazy three people out of a group of 100. I think that's crazy. But um, we have a group member who said 
She made $2,000 profit last year. She's in the black. Good for her, right? Because how many people have a business when they make no profit? That's right. No, that's wonderful and should be very encouraging to her. I think so because she's come a long way. This is Wendy we're talking about. Um, She's come a long way through a lot of um, difficulties, personal stuff, moving, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, you got to look at it. Well, I made 2000 profit in my business instead of being jealous of someone who made 3000 you know? Right, right. Yes, so true. And my battery's running down. Oh, okay. Well, we're almost done. I have two other things, um, two other questions that we can, we can get to quickly here. One is from Ellie, and Ellie wants to know how many visuals you've had and why do you love them? Oh, I've had four. And I love them because they are the most honest dogs, even from their structure. Um, what you see is what you get with the Vista. You don't have to look under that hair. You don't have to pick up that hair. Um, and <laughs> they, are, they are just the most lovable, loyal dogs you could ever have. I totally agree. We got our first Vista in a box of puppies at a at a um, store. My mom and dad were at the races at Del Mar and my brother and I were coming back to the ranch and we stopped at the Paula General Store and they had a box of puppies there and we took one of them home. And um, my folks didn't know about it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. At that point, it was too late. <laughs> and there was a Queensland healer that I ended up with that uh, was on the ranch and I didn't know it for a long time. Who would do that? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, So one other question, and I'm just going to give you like one minute to say something, because I know this is from Martha. Wants to know um, about me as a kid, what was I like? We want to hear all the dirt. So I'll allow you to tell one story, and that's it. Oh, my goodness. Uh, My daughter's visiting me, and I want her to stay her full week. (laughs) <laughs> so, I won't, so I won't come up with, I think one of the cutest things she ever did, well, they, she was in a wedding when she was like three years old, and uh, she was the flower girl, and she was so cute, and she was so dressed up, and she had her little basket, and she went down the aisle, and she threw the flower petals, and she... Then she got to the front of the church and uh, stood where she was supposed to stand, absolutely perfect. But in the middle of the ceremony, she turned around and she said, handed me the basket and said in a very loud voice, here, Mom, you hold this. I'm tired. And the (laughs) church broke up. (laughs) Uh, Fortunately, I'm too young to remember that. Oh, okay. Well, and the biggest thing she used to do when she was, uh, what, I took her swimming lessons when she was, uh, oh, I think about three months old, and she learned to tread water real quickly, and she had one of the most famous uh, swimming instructors, um, Crystal Scarborough, and Crystal taught her to tread water first, and she had no fear of it whatsoever. But Crystal would leave her in the middle of the pool, and she would just stand there and tread water, and she wouldn't get out of the pool. And I had to get back to work. 
but uh, she would just that silly little grin on her face, and she would just tread water. And I'd say, Char, you have to get out of the pool. And she would just say, Mm-mm, no, Mom. And I couldn't, I couldn't, I was dressed for work. I couldn't go in and get her, you know. Finally, after a few bribes of, oh, let's go get an ice cream cone or something, she would come out of the water. And I love the water to this day. I mean, that's, yes. you know, uh-huh. learning something that young, it sticks with you. But um, we have had a lot of great feedback. And this was really nice talking to you, Mom, because I've told people in the group, and I respect your business sense so much that you can't imagine. Because the stuff you said from a business that started in the 60s relates totally to an online business here in 2018. It's the same yes. thing. It's it the is. same thing. Yes. And, business is, uh, good business is good business. And, you know, if you step back and look at some of the businesses that were started at that period of time uh, in the, what, middle 50s on, um, you can learn a lot. Um, you know, how did, find out how these businesses started that you like, you know, um, some of you may not like Hobby Lobby, but find out how they got started. How did, uh, you know, I've always wanted Charlene to read a lot, which she does. Now she will get her nose out of a book. But find out how Walmart started. Find out how uh, pennies or, you know, all of these things you can relate to what you're doing. So, it's just that we're using a different format to sell the stuff. We're all selling stuff, right. you know? Right. So, you know, you can grow in your business like Walmart or, you know, Stater Brothers or those kind of things. Uh, how did uh, choose a shoe store? Find out how they got started. Uh, keep your mind open and keep learning. That's awesome. Well, John Wayne says, thank you, Joan. This was so helpful and inspirational. And Ellie says, thank you. Love this podcast. So on those notes, we'll sign off. And thanks again, Mom, for being my mom and for teaching me everything that you taught me. I love you very much and just want to tell everybody that. So and I'm I can sign you, off now. I can Go tell ahead. you. Wait, wait one second. It was okay. a pleasure. Aw. <laughs> Okay, guys, we're going to sign off now, and I'll see you in the Facebook group, and have a great rest of the week. And remember, keep your eyes open for products, like Mom said. You can say Mom said to keep your eyes open for products. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye-bye. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.